Good morning, and peace be with you. I'd like to direct your attention to the bulletin. Our missions this month are uh, going to support the Westminster Police Department, and we are narrowing the focus in there with help from a member of this church to give so that it doesn't go to the police association, but to um, something direct that is needful for the department in and of themselves. So I want to um, let you know that that is in progress right now, but that we are uh, hoping to give them uh, a, a generous uh, offering by the end of the month. They do an awful lot for us, and <clears throat> they um, have been upping their patrols for us in and around our campus, whether you were uh, in the know or have been told or noticed, we've had an influx of problems um, in the uh, area with the homeless, and some of them have been um, a little bit aggressive and so forth. And so they have been, um, the, the police uh, have been responding to phone calls that uh, we've made from here, and I'm grateful for it. So please... Um, consider that uh, for this month. Um, upcoming events, I want to direct you down to the very bottom. That is uh, that our last Lenten get-together and finishing up our devotions that we're doing this next week at noon, and there will be a lunch provided. And I want to thank all of everybody that has done so much work um, for the lunches and made them uh, pleasing and presented beautifully and also delicious. It takes an awful lot, and, and thank you for that. Our, our um, attendance has been really good, around 15 people uh, on Wednesdays. So I, I'm grateful for that, too. I'm grateful for this church desire to get plugged in to uh, God's Word during the week on days other than Sunday. And so thank you for that. It, it warms your pastor's heart. Uh, this next week is uh, work, work day, um, so just keep that in mind. Uh, also, somebody came to me and, and asked me, based on sermons in the last couple of weeks, they asked, Pastor, you know, has somebody criticized you about uh, communion or criticized you about preaching Christ alone, or, you know, what's going on? Because I've been a little bit pointed. Has anyone noticed that? It's okay. You can raise your hand. I mean, you notice I'm a little pointed on, on, on Christ and Him crucified and, and so forth? Okay, you don't, if you don't want it, that's fine. But if you did notice it, there's a reason for it. Um, and it's not new. It's, it's Satan. We are under attack. Um, Christ, Christian churches, churches that preach Christ and Him crucified are under attack, and it's very subtle. And it was brought to my attention about an organization of churches that I'd not heard about, but I know a lot more about them now, and it's called the N-A-R. N-A-R. It's the New Apostolic Reformation. Sounds nice. You know, what's, what's not to like? Well, there's nothing new about it. It's not apostolic, and it's not a reformation. Well, then what is it? These people are preaching uh, prophets and prophecy, new prophets and prophecy. 
to explain things. These people are teaching that Christ is not enough. They're not saying he's not enough, but they're not preaching that Christ in him crucified is what we need for salvation, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life in heaven. They're not preaching that the Bible is sufficient and inerrant. They're making money, and they're softening up the gospel. They're softening up the law. And so that is part of why you're hearing what I'm hearing or what you're hearing from me from the pulpit on these Sundays is that we need to, and I know that you all are solid, but um, we just need to remember that, that it is in Christ alone that our salvation is found. And so that's about it. I'm going to stop that. Tim, can you help us get through this?
Will you please stand if you're able? We start the service with a reading from John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. It's found on page 1671 of your Pew Bible. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and he sat upon it as it is written. Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all of this. And it was only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. And now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. And so the Pharisees said, to one another. See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God, We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, Renew us and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, 
And by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord God Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you who take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Forgive our prayer. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you sent your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross. Mercifully grant that we may follow the example of his great humility and patience and be made partakers of his resurrection through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, 
who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verses 36 through 39, and this can be found on page 325 in the Pew Bible. Deuteronomy 32, verses 36 through 39. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants. When he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining, bond or free, he will say, where are their gods, the rock in which they sought refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering? Let them rise and help you and be your refuge. Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal, nor is there anyone who can deliver from my hand. We will read Psalm 31, verses 9 through 16. It's printed on page 6 in your bulletin. Psalm 31, 9 through 16. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow and my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish, and my years by groaning. My My strength fails because of my affliction, and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear many whisperings, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Shine on your servant and save me in your unfailing love. The next reading is taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. And this can be found on page 1827 in the Pew Bible. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. 
Hallelujah. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. Glory to you, O Christ. Our Gospel this morning is recorded by Luke, is chapter 23, verses 1 through 56, and it can be found on page 1639 of your pew Bible. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, you have found this man subverting our nation. And he opposes payment of taxes to Caesar, and he claims to be a Messiah, a king. And so Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, you have said so. And then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, he said, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. And on hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. And from what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of, of some sort. And he plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, and they vehemently accusing him. And Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and they mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. And that day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and he said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. And I have examined him in your presence, and I have found no basis for the charges against him. Neither, had, neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us, as you can see. And he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him, and, and then I will release him. But the crowd... The whole crowd shouted, away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Now, Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them one more time, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. 
For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified. And their shouts, they prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand, and he released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. And as the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and they put the cross on him, and they made him carry it behind Jesus. And a large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. And Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children, for the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. And then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us. And to the hills cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers also came up, and they mocked him. They offered him wine, vinegar, and they said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. 
And when he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. And when all the people who had gathered to witness the sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and they went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and then he took it down, he wrapped it in linen cloth, and he placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. And then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Tracy and I watch reruns of old shows, and does anyone else find that they prefer some of the old stuff compared to, yeah, I see some hands going up. And, and there's, there's lots of channels that'll do that for you. We watch stuff like Little House. I'm in trouble now. We watch some Seinfeld, some Friends. Um, we started watching again uh, the, the TV show House, you know, about the doctor. It's kind of fascinating. It's possible that some of you, we used to watch it a little bit. Um, you know about the TV series that used to be on, it's called Er, I mean E-R. Okay, yeah, that Rosemary Clooney's grandson was on it, some guy, I don't you know, know who he was. But, and, um, but it was popular, and, and you can still watch reruns, although... Um, I haven't seen any. It really wasn't a favorite of, of ours or mine, so we don't really put into it. But as you may know, um, the show centered on the lives of an emergency room staff, and it's a large urban hospital. And the cases that came in through the door, they were really all over the medical spectrum. There were gunshot and knife wounds, there were heart attacks, there were strokes, there were infections, aches and pains in every part of the body. And 
Well, there's also times when there were patients that just couldn't grasp reality anymore. You just never knew what would be next, and it seemed as if they were constantly overwhelmed, and the hospital was getting stressed beyond its capabilities. Now, somebody posted a scene from ER on the internet, and the, the scene um, opens up with a cancer patient who used to be or, or is also a, a doctor. And this man is near the end of his life, and he has a tremendous load of guilt. And one of the hospital chaplains is trying to help him deal with the guilt, but it's clear that she's grounded in a new age kind of a thinking, a a worldly kind of a thinking um, that isn't Christian. Um, Maybe it's kind of like religiosity, which is a derogative term, but it's not scriptural. It's not biblical theology at all, and it's clear. And so you see this doctor, as the story unfolds, has once been an executioner who administered lethal drugs to people who had been sentenced to death by lethal injection. And he told the chaplain about injecting a young man and killing him, only to find out about a month later that the young man, the young man was innocent and that he had been framed by a group of crooked law enforcement officers. And ever since that revelation, this doctor had to live with the fact that he had killed an innocent man. And now this doctor faced his own death, and the guilt terrified him. It was not lost on this doctor that soon he would stand before his creator, that soon he would have to answer for killing this innocent man, and he was terrified. Now the chaplain who tried to help him, as I said, it was obvious he's not a Christian. So She tried to help this man understand that it was not his fault, that he could search for peace within himself and prepare for his death. She did everything she could to build up this man's self-esteem and achieve peace with his past life. But nothing worked. You see, all of her effort only made the man angry. And finally, we can see it boiling up, and the patient absolutely lost it. And he said, I need a real chaplain. I need a real chaplain who believes in a real God and a real hell. 
I need someone who can tell me how to find some real forgiveness. And then he ordered the chaplain to get out of the treatment room. Now, the scene really frustrates me. And every one of you who paid attention to that extra-long gospel knows the answer that the man needed to hear. I'm going to read it for you one more time. Not the entire gospel we read, but this. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23, verses 33-34. This is exactly what the doctor needed. He was in agony of guilt because he had executed an innocent. And here is Jesus calling down from heaven forgiveness on the people who crucified him. He, Jesus, was the most innocent of all human beings. He himself It'd be interesting to be able to dub. I don't have that skill set, but to be able to dub into that video that was on the internet post to say, Lady, just give the man a Bible and read Luke 23 to the guy. Explain to him that the very first people Jesus forgave were the people who executed the innocent. This means you. Explain it to that man. Jesus forgives you. And this man, this man wanted a real God. This man wanted a real hell. How many times did Jesus describe hell? He described it as the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus also described hell as a place where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, Mark 9, 48. He also described it as the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, Matthew 25, 41. Jesus described hell as a very real and very very painful place. So we have everything this man wanted, a real God, a real hell, and real forgiveness. All of this is there in Jesus hanging from that cross, Christ and him crucified. But Jesus is not finished. There are two others that were hanging there with him. For it says, when they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And we often refer to these men as thieves. But that just isn't right. I'll tell you why. Rome did not crucify ordinary thieves. If these men were companions of Barabbas, then they were terrorists. 
they had both killed many. And at first these two criminals mocked Jesus, but when the Holy Spirit produced, the Holy Spirit produced a miracle of faith in one of the criminals. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence and condemnation? And we, indeed, justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus had more than forgiveness for him. More than just forgiveness. For with forgiveness comes life and salvation. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today, today you will be with me in paradise. The forgiveness of Jesus produced paradise for this terrorist. Now these examples of Jesus forgiving people from the cross teach us that Jesus has forgiveness for everyone. There is no sin that he cannot forgive. So, what about you? What sin will terrify you when you face death and realize that you will soon stand before your Creator to answer for these things that you have done? What sin will threaten to drive you to despair? Jesus said, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Matthew 5, 28. Have you been able to satisfy that command? Have you gone to places that you shouldn't have gone or onto websites that you shouldn't visit? The Bible says everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 3.15. Who have you murdered with your hate? Because Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How's that working out for you? The simple fact is that each and every one of us has secrets that would destroy us if they became common knowledge. Each and every one of us knows that we really do deserve both temporal and eternal punishment. And each and every one of us knows that we have to stand before holy and almighty God in nothing but our own worth. And if that were so, we would be doomed. The words of Jesus from the cross 
give us confidence that no matter how bad our sins are, he has forgiveness for them. That no matter what we have done, there is paradise for us. And that the sin that terrifies you the most has been taken up by Jesus to the cross along with all of your other sins. That there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 1. And today's gospel reading is it's very serious. It, it deals with the death of Jesus who is both God and man. And there is a way that his death saddens us. It does. After all, his death reminds us of, of our sin. There is also a way that his death is, is very good. It proclaims that he has taken God's punishment for our sins onto himself. And the proclamation of Jesus' death is both law and gospel. Jesus' friends laid him in a nearby tomb, and the hour was late. The Sabbath approached quickly. There was nothing else they could do. And on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. There's some law. And both Jesus rested and his friends rested, for there was much to do on the first day of the very next week as Jesus left the tomb and proclaimed his victory. However, that's a story for another Sunday, next Sunday. Today's gospel, in conclusion, teaches us that we can rest assured that all of our sins, even our worst and most terrifying sins, have been forgiven by Jesus on that cross. In the name of Jesus, amen. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame and I I will ever be 
this shame and reproach gladly burn then he'll call me someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share Please stand. Let us confess together our faith to the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us in our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord, God Almighty and Heavenly Father, we gather this morning as one to praise your holy name. Heavenly Father, above all the extraordinary blessings you have provided to us in our country, and in spite of our sinful disregard and forgetfulness of you, 
We hold dear your gift of the freedom to worship you as a Christian family in this sanctuary. We know we should trust you, Holy Father, because you have always done what is best for us, your children, even when we can't recognize it until much time has passed. We're sorry that we just can't seem to see your work in and around us, even when it stands right before our eyes. The sin within us clouds our vision, and Satan shouts into our minds to corrupt our thoughts. Holy Spirit, we know you live within our hearts and whisper our Lord's messages of peace, forgiveness, kindness, our Holy Father's commandments, and our Savior Jesus' saving grace. Satan's shouts often drown out your messages to us, and we plead that you would speak louder and remove the distractions with which we fill our daily lives. God Almighty, please incline your ear to hear our supplications and help us incline our ears to hear your voice over the cacophony of evil around us. On this Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week, we joyfully celebrate the triumphant arrival of Jesus our Savior into Jerusalem nearly 2,000 years ago. Like then, Lord, we often forget that you didn't come to save our bodies from the pain and suffering of our lives on earth, but rather to save our souls for eternity. Thank you for reminding us that all of the grief and suffering we see around us is not new, has occurred since mankind first took advice from Satan in the garden to be like you, Father, and will continue until you call us home to be with your Son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, keep us steadfast in our faith and focused on the joy of eternal life in heaven. We pray for the health and safety of our friends, families, and loved ones. We pray for the safety of our family and friends who travel during this time. Holy Father, please heal the sick in mind and body and comfort those whose loved ones have left us on earth to come into your home in heaven. Holy Spirit, Please mend broken relationships between family members within local communities, our nation, and nations around the world. Turn us from the sins of pride, greed, and deceit that leads us to trust in ourselves rather than in you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would guide our hearts, minds, and voices to turn away from hateful speech and actions against others who may be different from us as we grow fearful, angry, and frustrated at what we cannot control, our sinful natures to blame others and turn our anger towards them. Please make this sin obvious to us during our daily thoughts and activities and turn us away from casting stones. We continue to thank you for our nation and its form of government. Please grant our leaders wisdom and our nation's strength so that we may continue to serve as a protector of the weak and a light for peaceful coexistence in your name, Lord God. We pray for the safety of our military members, police, firefighters, and medical professionals who continue to serve and protect us every day. Dear God Almighty, please save our nation from the damage we have done and are doing to ourselves through our personal greed for material wealth and power over others. We need to turn back to you, Father, so please help us do so before we harm ourselves further. Thank you, Lord, for this congregation of faithful Christians, our Pastor Ken, who guides us through often murky waters, 
and our sister congregation in Victory Outreach and their Christian evangelism. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace at a distance and responsibly. Please pray with me. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. You bid your people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast. Renew our zeal in faith and life and bring us to the fullness of grace that belongs to the children of God. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. This is Jesus keeping his promise. This is the fruit of Christ and him crucified for you. This is his body for you, his blood for you, for the forgiveness of sins, all sins, not just the really, really kind of tiny ones, but all sins. May that comfort you as you come to the rail here and receive his love one person at a time. Come, the table is prepared and the ushers will bring you forward.
Which promises does uh, Jesus keep? Amen. He made that promise when he said, truly I say to you, to that thief and all thieves that believe in him, that truly today you will be with me in paradise. Now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stop.